Welcome to the Region Biome Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Team Felix Turcotte, a certified integrative health practitioner, level one and two, certified in blood chemistry and functional lab testing. I love helping people with GI issues, weight loss, mold exposure, heavy metals, misters problems, and health optimization. I love helping people get to the root cause of their health struggles and simplify healing. Ready to transform your health? Go to regionbiome.com and click book a call. All the support is greatly appreciated. If you enjoy, please write a five-star review on iTunes or the platform of your choice. Enjoy the podcast and please share this with anyone that this would help. Welcome to episode 15 of the Region Bound Podcast. Today's episode, I am having a conversation with Joel Green, founder of Veep Nutrition and author of the book, The Immunity Code, which is one of the most informative, if not the most informative book that I have ever read, ever. So it is a tool that I use and refer back to all the time, and you'll want to get a copy for sure. So Joel has over 30 plus years in the health and fitness industry, and is an absolute genius and someone I highly respect. So we will be talking about crucial key points of fat loss, gut bacteria, and its impact on the whole body, hypoxia and chronic disease, diets and food camps, and much more. So again, as a reminder, before we get started, any of the information shared in the episode should not be taken as medical advice and is for learning purposes only. Always refer to your medical doctor before making any changes to your diet or supplement regimen. Let's dive in. Welcome, Joel, to the Region Bible Podcast. Super excited to have you on this episode today. Uh, so it's been a pleasure to have you as my mentor through the immune center coaching courses that you that you did. Uh, that was oh, that was uh, last year. So you just you're in the third classes right now, I believe, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, already. So time is flying like crazy. But yeah, it so it's been a such a, I think I've navigated the world of like a chronic digestive issues myself. So I kind of cross your, your, uh, your work through uh, Ben Greenfield's podcast. And it was just quite amazing and refreshing to hear that information that you had to share. And your, your knowledge is just absolutely incredible. I think like the, the whole, the biochemistry and I just like, it just fascinates me so much as to how much you've been able to to just do and and just uh bring to life but yeah so i'd love to i i guess i have the listeners to uh, understand a bit what's your background where did you come from like where did, did the immunity code come to life and and how i ooh, yeah quick quick <laughs> quick, quick, quick quick synopsis would be um after about i'd say uh, how old was i 34 i'm really old um, I would say after about 30 plus years of just doing what you call fitness, you know, kind of doing that, um, I just got to the place where all of the things that you're told to do don't really work that great the longer you do them. I mean, like what you'll find is a lot of issues with um, the body will pop up, like uh, physical issues. So, you know, um, the whole way you train it over time, it's you're going to find the same commonalities you find. Um, shoulder, uh, knee, hip, joint issues, like almost everybody has them. So, you know, mobility is a really big deal to me. And, and so that, you know, was an issue. And then, and then you find um, also that uh, if you're working a real job, like you're, you know, in the real world and, and you, you know, you're not making a living, you know, being fit, then very difficult to make a lot of the advice apply because it's, it comes from a world where uh, you have all the time in the world to apply this stuff. <laughs> exactly. So that, and, um, 
uh, in one thing you see a lot are people that are uh, coming out of the technology world and then they come into they come into uh, health because that's kind of their passion. Uh, I think they're the new dude doing the blueprint thing is you know an example of that. And you see, see a lot of that. I was one of those guys, and um, but I've been doing it going back to my childhood. And long story short, um, at the time that I really got into um, you know this whole universe, it was roughly about 2005, 2006, meaning that um, I, I was running a company and I got fat running the company. <laughs> um, and, and the reason I got fat was like, I was working 14 hours a day and, and I was like a fitness dude. I knew everything. I knew the diets, I knew everything, but just, you know, time, stress, age, all the same things that derails everybody else. Applicability, you know, really got to me. And so coming out of that, um, I really spent some time thinking about what I could have done differently. And the net of what I, what I could have done differently really took me down this path of like, um, you know, okay, well, here's a, here's a hundred things I could do, for example, for body fat, but what's, what are the one or two that don't take any time? And here's what I could have done with diet, but what are, and where all those things kind of led was that ultimately uh, there are a few master mechanisms in the body that do seem to exert quite a bit of uh, influence and they all came down to immune centric mechanisms. Uh, I talk about it in the immunity code quite a bit. So I talk about like macrophages and hypoxia and things like that. And what you find is that um, when we look at like health and disease, you find that uh, these are, these are the usual suspects, you know? So when you look mm -hmm. at cancer, everybody that has cancer has some issue with hypoxia, has some issue with oxygen, has some issue with tissues not being oxygenated. And you see that quite, quite often. And the same with um, most disease, you see um, imbalances of inflammatory immune cells. And so kind of really it all came out of that. And um, it took a very long time. And um, I originally created a software and the software was based on the gut biome. And it was the purpose of the software was um, to really help someone learn how to use food functionally to instead of getting out, instead of the calories uh calories in calories out thing yeah. and it's really really more about learning to use food in a functional way and target the gut and uh i used corporate wellness so i was doing these engagements with big companies and cities and things and so um what happened was i had literally thousands of people using using the software and I get a lot of data from that. I got a lot of data points <clears throat> and uh, it allowed me to kind of find out what really, really worked because I had so much data. I had so many people using mm -hmm. the protocols. And uh, so it kind of accelerated things for me. That was uh, around 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14. And um, I was able to figure out like a lot of things that actually really worked. And so, and then eventually um, uh, I, had a, I had a big idea, which was a 45 minute explanation. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I probably should write a book. I'm getting tired of doing this. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of, that was it. Amazing. No, it's just the beautiful story and how it, it, it all came up to life. And I think it's just fascinating. And I think you, you touched on a couple of things that really fascinates me as to like, because you really, uh, I would say put, put the whole immunity code together as like, there's some really key foundation and I'm all about like with like clients, I'm all about like these key foundations that everybody like must do in order to, if, if we're, we have the hope of attaining or mm -hmm. getting to a point in our life that we want optimize wellness and well-being, like we need to make sure that we nail these like little three, five things down. And I love the, your role of 5% all the time, trying to do a little bit of 5% increment and improvement 
with one single uh with one thing and then over the over the time and you get this huge compound effect so um so like and i know you talk about hypoxia so like what because i know like with immunity code like the whole famous gut protocol so i'm mm. like so how like how does that really because the importance of really the, the gut microbiome is just mm. enormously important and so as to why there's really two key strains of bacteria that are actually really necessary yeah, that gets into an interesting uh, <laughs> discussion. Very, a lot of things we could talk about there. But one thing that's interesting is that you hear a lot today about like, um, you hear this thing about like a lot of like about personalized nutrition and everybody's different and all that stuff. But what's really interesting is that um, the commonalities are where all the horsepower is. So the things that everybody kind of has in common, um, that's where like you can you can see massive change it's just by very often it's just fixing the things that are simple that everybody has in common example in this case would be um when it comes to the microbiome you know there's we could talk about tens of thousands of bacteria but but to make it simple and to make it applicable for most people like just by focusing on two common bacteria for the most part you can you can you can create some really great results and that would be the species of bifidobacteria and then the uh, mucin degrader, Acromensia mucinophila, so those two. Um, and that's why I focused on the book because, um, again, going back to like, you know, time and, and my experiences, um, it really just came down to like, okay, well, what would be the, the one or two things I could do that would get me the 80% result? And, and so what you find when you, and I've had, you know, when I, before I wrote the immunity code, I had over, close to 20,000 people who've gone through these protocols. And since then, it's much, much more. And what you see consistently is that just by, just by optimizing these two bacteria that you get really tremendous results. I mean, I've had, I've had people who've had longstanding gut issues, you know, they've never been able to fix. And just by focusing on these two gut um, genera, they, they saw really tremendous results. So that's just a, the reason, I guess, you know, biochemically, if we wanted to get into that would be so you need a you need a couple. We need a couple things for the body to work well. Um, and when you think about what food is, um, it's a challenge to the immune system because you have to you have to take something foreign to the body, and it must pass through a membrane into the body. So there's this selection process of you know what's what is what can be admitted in, what cannot be admitted in, and you know, and it's a very very complex process mediated by. Um, uh, in principle, kind of the, one of the principal mediators are the gut bacteria because mm -hmm. they're very much involved in, in the sensing of antigens. And so what we find is that key species of bifidobacteria really help that whole process down the road. They help antigen sensing. And the net of that is that when we are uh, young and we're, we're babies and we're first coming into the world, um, very specific bacteria, acromantia and bifidobacteria help the immune system get established because they're involved in uh, for a lot of different reasons, they're involved in that transition of food coming from outside to inside. And acromancia is very much involved in that in terms of the way that it helps to maintain the gut mucus layer. And bifidobacteria is very much involved in that um, through uh, downstream signals um, uh, and things like MAMPs and DAMPs and things like that. And so all of these things to say that these, these bacteria um, kind of as a focus provide a lot of horsepower. They provide a lot of utility to just get a lot of results, you know, like, like if we just correct these two things, let's, mm -hmm. let's do that first. And then let's see what we get left, you know, and that's not a hundred percent. I mean, there's nothing, nothing that's a hundred percent, but in terms of just bang for the buck, um, 
what we find is that these two bacteria are very much involved with the immune system. They're very much involved with insulin signaling. And so um, by more or less resetting them to a more youthful state, it seems to affect everything else. That's right. And I think the, well, the Rickovic effect of like inflammation in general. So I know you talk a lot about the M2 and M1 macrophages, but yeah, uh, yeah it's just been f phenomenal that just by shifting and all of the, the whole, Oh my gosh, because I used to I used to just not be able to even have chickpeas or anything. And I used to just be tremendously uh bloated. And I think this is one thing that a lot of people are having. And just by resetting and I think right now there's a lot of issues with the whole histamines and like I think it's just MCAS and all of that in the industry. Mm -hmm. But again, I think like a lot of these bifidobacteria are really responsible to actually help and break down those histamines. So yeah, um it's interesting this is a much bigger topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Well, the reason it's a much bigger topic is, is like, if we think of like an equation and you think of like, you know, the way equations work is you have um, variables in the equations, you know, you have this plus that plus this times that divided by that, you know, and, and all of the variables in the equation um, control what the answer is going to look like. Okay. So it's, it's like E equals MC squared. Okay. Um, if we left out the M, in that equation, mass, then we would just have E equals C squared, okay? And we wouldn't really have a complete picture. Like we'd be saying energy is just the speed of light doubled, you know? And it's like, well, you know, there's more, you know, there, there's more, it's, it's mass times the speed of light doubled. And so when it comes to the way that food works in the body, there's very much an equation. And one of the, the major variables is the uh, composition of the gut and what we see consistently even to this day which blows my mind is a lot of uh a lot of thought a lot of you know quote unquote expertise about food and it's not factoring in that variable yeah. it, it's like we left out m in the speed of light equation you see the same thing happening when it comes to the gut. I see this with oxalates. I see it with gluten sensitivity, yes. dairy sensitivity. I see it with all these discussions where, where experts routinely leave that variable out. And then if you tell them about that variable, they minimize it. They're like, well, it's not that big a deal. No, it's a massive deal. Absolutely. Because one of the reasons is um, the, the gut bacteria essentially works as a second liver. Okay. It has a detoxification power that is mm -hmm. equal. In fact, it's probably greater actually than the liver. Like you can go and look at like um, all of the different uh, things, toxins that are detoxified by specific bacteria in mm -hmm. the gut. It's, it's, it's equal to the liver quite, quite easily, very easy case we can make by that. So there's a lot of uh, foods <clears throat> that um, on their own, uh, you could you could make an argument and say, well, these are these these foods have toxic aspects to them. You could make that argument, and you could be pretty convincing, as long as you leave the M out of the equation. Mm -hmm. As soon as you introduce that back into the equation, uh, then the whole equation changes. So, for example, you could say that you know, oh, I have issues with gluten, you know, and okay, well, uh, let's let's add in these bacteria that have the power to uh, detoxify a lot of the issues you have. And see what happens. Or let's add in. Uh, I have issues with oxalates. Okay. Well, let's add in the lactobacillus species and the phytobacteria species. Let's see what happens when you do that. And very often, what you see is that just all the issues that a person was having go away. And it's because that variable in the equation that we were leaving out, we put back in. And so there is an equation. And that and the 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 when it comes to issues with foods, sensitivities, 
toxicities, um, all kinds of things, um, that variable, the, the, the bacteria in the gut, is usually the one that we should be looking at first. Um, now, again, nothing's 100%. Sometimes you run into an mm. issue where you know there are genetic issues and it's like, yeah, this food for you probably is not such a thing. But for most people, what you find is that by adjusting the variable of the gut bacteria, you get massive results. So, Especially, yeah. And uh, I love that you addressed the gluten and dairy because that was a huge issue for myself. And it was like, mm. okay, like, what, what's happening? As to you, you have so many camps, like maybe we can address that the whole yeah. meat and anti-meat right. camp yeah. and, the, and the plant right. camp. And I'm just right. like, yeah. wait a minute. Like I had some, like, it was a funny story. Like the other night I had, like, it was crazy. I just had the a whole, like, like a whole thing, uh, a chickpeas. And I had probably one of the best, like I felt the best the next day. It was just phenomenal what it actually shift overnight. So, but yeah, maybe we can elaborate because I, I think like I've, I mean, I've gone fully vegan i've gone on carn carnivore keto and there's just there's so many variables that plays mm -hmm. into this and uh why does that not work like and when mm -hmm. we start cutting out a completely one substrate mm -hmm. uh, can... yes well uh this is actually what i'm writing about for my next book is that i'm so excited <laughs> i can't wait for that <laughs> yeah it's I mean, what we can say is that as a concept so here's 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 what's kind of fascinating like um at one point in time there was a consensus definition of what a healthy balanced diet was it was a diet that was nutrient dense it was nutritionally diverse you know we could, like more or less it there was agreement good luck today <laughs> good luck trying to get a definition <laughs> i mean that's, it's, that's how badly diet is broken i mean like that's crazy to think that you, and in fact uh, this is actually a discussion that's taking place in science papers right now. There's there's discussion from scientists saying, hey, if we can't actually define what a healthy diet is, then how could we ever achieve sustainable health? Oh, you know, that's a discussion. That's crazy that we're at that point, wow. but we but we are. And um I would offer that there's some there's some key concepts that are missing. And once you plug those concepts in, then everything will start to make sense. So, so one concept is that over time, there are some things that happen. Uh, just to put them down to words, we could say one word is attenuation happens over time. Okay. Another word is accumulation. Accumulation happens over time. Another word is degradation. Over time, things degrade. So you can introduce uh, something new. Let's say you change your diet. Let's say you go from uh, vegan to carnivore, and all of a sudden everything's great. Wow, I feel fantastic! It's ah, I found the diet. Yay! <laughs> um, what you are leaving out of the picture is time and the idea that things are going to, over time, you're going to get accumulations of things that you don't have when you start. You're going to get attenuation to things that weren't there when you started, and some things are going to degrade over time. And so the mistake, one of the foundational mistakes that is everywhere, shockingly, like you think, you think, God, this is, you think we would figure this out, but no, it's everywhere, is that we're not accounting for time, and we're not accounting for time as a variable when you introduce something new. And so consistently, I can just tell you what I see. I consistently see people who have the same story <clears throat> and it's, I, I did this, I was vegan for, you know, 10 years. And then I was really sick. It worked great first, but then I was really sick. Then I went 
uh, keto and I lost 40 pounds, but then I gained it back. And then I decided I want to go carnivore. And I did that for two years, but now I don't know what's going on lately. Uh, I can't eat carbs and my gut's really mad. What's going on? <laughs> and so what's so foundationally coming back to some key concepts here, the meta concept is homeostasis and that um, the inputs you bring into the body, um, if you skew those inputs, you know, too much in one direction, you can disrupt homeostasis. Okay. And so what we see dietarily happening is exactly that. You see people who, um, or you see entire tribes of uh, camps of diet people mm. that when they first started doing something, you know, they found all the benefits from it. But then over time, uh, there's a lot of attenuation, degradation, a lot of um, things happening that ultimately accumulation flip the script and things start to work very differently. And they don't understand why that's happening. And it's because as an industry, we've completely gotten away from what's true. We've just gotten away from how things actually work. And we haven't even put our finger on the button of how things work. Like how things work is homeostasis is the meta paradigm. Um, think of your seesaw <clears throat> and then yeah. you, you want to keep the seesaw balanced. And the more you, the more you do one thing, you know, at the expense of other things, then over time, this starts to happen. And then when this gets too low here, when, when one side of the equation gets too low, then what you're going to see is, <clears throat> let's assume that there were benefits here and, and issues here. Well, what happens is the issues begin to really bubble up, you know, and, and then that's what you see. So that's what's going on. So high level, that's what's happening is that these camps have glommed onto um, some ideas that are inherently flawed. And those ideas are um, the absence of uh, that homeostasis is not a thing. Like mm. that's not even, not even it's not a thing. We don't have to put it in the equation. Well, that, that's um, idiotic, stupid, short-sighted, and um, wrong. Okay. And then the other thing is that over time things are going to change. And so when you begin to put things into that paradigm, all of a sudden they make a lot of sense. And then what? And then this begins to tell us, like, as a diet, what can we do? And it begins to tell us, like, there's there's certain boundaries. We can play within those boundaries. You know, we can have a lot of variance in those boundaries, but we have to be mindful um, of too much of one thing over time because that's not what nature does. Nature no. in nature, <clears throat> that never happens in nature. In nature, you're always fighting to keep anything on the table. And so nature automatically adjusts for time by driving scarcity and then by driving um, variability as a result of scarcity. That's what nature does. And so because we have refrigerators, we can load them up with, exactly. you know, tons and tons and tons of meat and think, oh, this is healthy, you know, and, and uh, no, it's not. Yeah, and that's the thing, I mean, uh, eating with the seasons and we, we never, yeah, like I said, we never had a fridge full of a specific nutrients at all times that, you know, at the fingertips, uh, you know, they're so, so available, right? So grocery yeah. stores, yeah, but that's fascinating. And because I, I think that that's exactly what I experienced myself. So you would feel, I would feel so good after just cutting out certain things a hundred percent for so long. And then it just backfired on me tremendously. That happened when I went just fully plant-based and kind mm. of, and, but at the end of the day, I never actually fixed the whole, the whole issue. So, but that's, uh, yeah, that's just, just fascinating to explain that, especially with the gluten and the dairy. So I think like, there's a lot of people like the whole gluten's being, uh, I mean, I've been able to reintroduce that. And like you said, there's some genetics that can actually play into that. But um, and so, like, what what are, would be the, like the specifics with those that you think the biggest is just still goes back to gut bacteria as well? 
Um, mostly, but not always. I mean, there. So if we're talking, you know, legit celiac disease, okay. Mm. Well, then there's there's absolutely genetic issues there. Um, so it's it's never this black and white picture that we want it to be. You know, it's never completely one thing. But what we can say is that there is a very significant component to intolerances. So like a gluten intolerance that um, the variable is the gut, the gut bacteria. And that if you um, focus on that variable and adjust it, so you're, so one, one thing you see a lot with celiac is that you'll have um, an overexpression of one species of bifido. I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's long. if I remember correctly, I don't, don't quote me though. And then you have a suppression of, of all the other species. So you, so you have this misrepresentation. And um, when we introduce gluten-free diets, um, the problem is that by avoiding glutens, you shift the gut bacteria in a, in, in a worse direction. You decrease the firmicutes. And then what happens is um, it actually suppresses the immune system. And so over time, what you'll find with a gluten-free diet is it mimics, as you develop the gut bacteria, that we find in obesity, you, you, you develop a, an obesogenic gut bacteria, and you also suppress the immune system. Um, so, when very often, not always, but very often, when people have intolerances, <clears throat> by just simply focusing on the gut biome, focusing on <clears throat> bifidobacteria, shifting those species, increasing them, giving them the substrate that they need to proliferate, uh, what you find is very often uh, the sensitivities go away, and oh my gosh, I'm not having those issues anymore. Um, and in fact, you can, they can prove this in a lab. Like you could, you could, in a lab, you can, you know, you can introduce um, enteropathy. Um, you can introduce gut issues. And then um, just simply by applying key species, like you seem to fix those issues and you can prove it in a lab. So, but more importantly for <clears throat> someone who's listening is that just try it, you know, I mean, just, just give it a try. What else do you have to lose? Right. So just simply by, <laughs> simply by uh, fixing a few species, um, your life can change. And that's really cool. Now, again, not hundred percent, you know, there's other issues sometimes, sometimes there's SNPs, sometimes there's all kinds of stuff, but as a, as a kind of a first cut at it, it's not a bad place to start. So. No, I think like the, the, the HMOs and, I think <laughs> and the apple peels. So that was the, the biggest thing with the, the gut protocol. So I've been actually super successful for thousands of people so i think it's it's worth it's worth to try so definitely uh if people do get the immunity code it's it's quite a break it's, i love it so it's uh i mean as you can see i've been like making like <laughs> really <laughs> trying to keep notes and keep track of so many things it's just and always going back to it uh it's like my you know my, my little guide i like it um and the biggest well, thing that's, I was okay. going to say that's that's quite an honor. I had the pleasure of having you in my course, and you're you're pretty high level, so that's that's oh, quite an honor. Thank, thank you, you. appreciate it. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, it means a lot. And um, I mean, love to learn from the best. I'm always open, and I I think in this industry, I think it's just really keeping the mind an open mind. I think, and I I, I personally myself was going into a direction of just being so sec not secluded, but like, you know. Uh, you start you start be becoming into going into a specific camp and then at the same time it's just like is it truly you know ideal so uh and the biggest thing i think it was just phenomenal and when you talk about fat loss like what are the things that people need to do before even thinking of losing fat and we have this idea that losing fat is just oh it's just fat and we're just going to lose it and nothing's going to happen and what what actually happens when we lose fat 
and what, what should we do before even thinking of let's just go on a weight loss journey and yeah well, maybe we can talk and elaborate about that sure yeah um well an immune centric approach to body fat is a little bit different um first key difference is that it begins in the gut that's the first key difference so what is I don't think it was talked about at all prior to the immunity code coming out. It might be talked about a little bit more now is um, there's a very strong connection between the, uh, the health of the gut and your body fat. And it, you can actually show this <clears throat> to be true. So um, when the gut is in bad shape and you have um, bad ratios, you have, you know, um, more of the bacterioides, you have, you know, uh, very, very uh, poor representation of um, lean bacteria, the lean phenotype bacteria, then there's all these um, mechanistic causes uh, driving obesity. Um, one of those causes is that within the gut, there are uh, GLP-1 receptors within the gut. And the GLP-1 receptors in the gut have a direct uh, hotline to the brain. Uh, so they, they talk uh, directly into the... Um, into the melanocortin system, the POMC neurons in the brain, which regulate PYY and have a massive, massive uh, control over food intake. And so um, one of the issues that we see with body fat and weight is that when the gut is uh, dysbiotic, the eating's out of control and, and it disrupts the brain's uh, control over eating. So uh, there's that. And another issue that we run into is um, that inflammatory mediators, uh, peptidoglycan, um, lipopolysaccharide. These are, oh, um, yes, yeah. yeah, these are things that um, can leak out of the gut and then they have an affinity for body fat and they work uh, in body fat. They kind of work like signal flares. So when they lodge into your body fat, what they do is they attract uh, inflammatory um, immune cells, macrophages. And so then you get inflamed fat and you get uh, insulin resistant fat. And that's a problem because that will affect the entire body. And so the immune-centric approach to dealing with body fat is a little bit different in that we start with a gut and we have to fix that first uh, before moving on to body fat. And then when it comes to dealing with body fat, um, there's, there's a whole suite of or inventory of protocols that um, what we're thinking about is how things are going to affect uh, immune function in your fat. So example would be... Um, Getting cold is a great way to um, getting cold is a great way to deal with inflammation in your fat. But then we can kind of we can kind of go a little more specific at that through things like mannose, for example, to flip macrophage polarity. Mm -hmm. And so there's just there's an approach to it where we're taking into account kind of a little, little bigger picture. Um, what's interesting, I think, is the calories in, calories out crowd. You know, we kind of like poo all that and be like, eh, it's just calories. It's just calories. Um, what I consistently see is um, that works really well on young fit people. <laughs> when you get into yes. populations, <laughs> when you get into people that are not young and fit, you can put them on zero calories. They're not going to lose a pound. I mean, it really, it really gets very, very difficult to drive um, to drive fat loss in populations that aren't already fit. And there's a number of reasons why that's true. A lot of mechanistic reasons why that's true. Um, but all that to say, there is a bigger picture of body fat and calories are a very important part of that. Um, but they're not the whole part and any, uh, someone like yourself who, you know, has coached lots and lots of people, you're going to find your share of people that 
you can just do a basic Keiko diet and they respond great. And then you're going to find other people that they don't respond at all to that. <laughs> and it gets, it gets hard and it gets really hard. So, um, but anyways, uh, all that to say, going back to body fat, um, the, the final piece of the equation is to begin to understand that uh, body fat is not uh, an accordion. It's not this thing that you can just, you know, play infinitely. You don't have an infinite number of trips to the well. Um, you have actually a fixed number of trips to the well, and you're on a decreasing curve of um, efficiency and efficacy the more you ask your body fat to reduce itself. And you'll see this is true. Uh, the, the easy examples are like mixed martial arts. Like you'll go and see people who do weight cutting for a living, yeah. and eventually they have to move up weight classes because they can't get to that weight anymore because um, the body develops a resistance to dropping body fat, and it's mechanistic in its nature. So um, what you're doing every time you're dropping body fat is you're you're triggering a whole cascade of, of processes that are designed to keep you alive, um, not designed to make you look good. And so uh, an example would be uh, what is known as the weight reduced state. And it's a, it's, a, it's a period of about four to 12 months where there are um, very, there's a whole bunch of things going on. There are genes that are turning on. There are um, hormonal shifts, uh, food hormone shifts, um, gut biome shifts, all kinds of things are going on. And the purpose of these things is not to make you look good. It's to keep you alive because you have, as far as the body's concerned, we just had a season, we had a winter of starvation and now let's fatten up to make sure, you know, and let's make it harder the next time. So I, I think the immune centric approach really shifts the game because it, again, it brings it into a bigger picture of what's really going on and what we have to account for. And, there's a lot of like buyer's remorse, I think, in, in what I've noticed in my you know journey, because um, you'll hear a lot of like, ah, if I'd have known this, then I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and that's very common when it comes to body fat, because <laughs> you, you'll you'll have people who've done a lot of cutting, and what they what they didn't know was the things that we're talking about here. And then as they they get to a certain point, in fact, I know I know people right now that are you know, they've been very very lean. I mean, they've they've been sub five percent body fat, and you reach oh, a point yeah. where all of a sudden the body does not respond anymore. <laughs> and a, a lot of what's going on is just the things that we're talking about, changes in the um, ECM and all kinds of things. So, yeah, and I think that's the the biggest part of this. Like a lot of people that are trying to lose weight for for the most part, but have dropped quite significant amounts of of weight multiple time over time it just it gets to a point that you become yeah almost just like insulin resistance you become resistance to losing fat so that's that 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 was just always fascinating to me and the the hardening of the collagen as well too because i'm like okay well this makes a lot of sense and if you're so in some ways I think when you're explaining it that it's almost you're building almost callus on <laughs> uh, like very very thick and um well the the type the type six collagen so i know it's more technical but uh really fascinating as to what, you know, what fat loss can do over time if it's not done properly. So. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, think of it this way. Um, an age related problem is fibrosis. Okay. And uh, fibrosis yeah. happens in all tissues. So you get muscle tissue fibrosis, you get, you know, fibrosis in organs and you get fibrosis in your adipose mass. Okay. And so what is fibrosis? It's essentially, you know, palace more or less, you can kind of think of it that way. And as you, um, all these trips to the fat loss, well, you know, you're regrowing collagen fibers, uh, you can become fibrotic. You're driving fibrotic fibers over time. So yeah, it's an easy way to understand it. Yeah. Fibrosis is, you don't want that. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not hell. It's not good. So 
Yeah, for sure. Anything. And then, um, so with IPOX, I know like, not to just go into the whole rabbit hole of the past. I yeah. want to make sure of your time. Like, I want to be really cautious of your time thing. I'm super grateful to have you on. So I'm not sure. I don't want to pick too much, but um, I wanted to know like with, for the past three years, like obviously what we've gone through, like the whole, I think the world was, because we talk about hypoxia, I think more than ever people has been even more hypoxic than ever. Mm. And why is that even, uh, should uh, should have been a concern or something that we, why we need to even address that even more? <laughs> um, yeah, and what is hypoxia, right? So that's all too. Yeah, that's, gosh, that's a great one. Um, it all begins with ATP. So a ATP is the body's um, payment system. That's how the body pays for things. Pay, pay, and the thing, the thing that the body has to most needs to pay for the most are proteins and making proteins. Not a, not a lot of people actually understand that piece. That you know, we hear like DNA, and we hear, well, my DNA is me, and we hear all the but people. But what a missing component I think in the um, in the in the reference frame for most people is that what we're doing is we're making proteins and these proteins are little machines and these little machines keep the big machine going and the body doesn't doesn't put them on a rack and store them until it needs them it just makes them when it needs them and decomposes them when it doesn't need them so making proteins is the thing that keeps the ship running in fact you couldn't even think like the higher order of thinking in the brain wouldn't even work without proteins being made every day in fact you know issues like down syndrome and issues of higher order thinking are stress response issues to proteins so the way the body pays for proteins is through energy, which is ATP. And the way the body makes most of its energy is not from food. Um, most of the energy in the body is made through the Krebs cycle. It's made through um, adding oxygen into the equation. And that's where you're getting most of the ATP that we need. So when, <clears throat> when we don't have enough oxygen, we can't make enough ATP. And then the body has to kind of like begin to um, compromise, you know, like for example, DNA repair. Like, uh, well, we, we can't pay for those DNA repair proteins. So let's just let the DNA go this week. You know, <laughs> that's bad. That's, <laughs> Good luck. We, we call that aging. So, um, <clears throat> so what happens is with age, a number of things are working together and they're working against you. Um, the decline of the cardiovascular system and the decline in the efficiency of the ability of the body to disseminate oxygen to all of its tissues is declining. And so as a result, uh, the body's backup system is having to work a lot more. And the body's backup system doesn't need oxygen. So um, we call that anaerobic. And uh, technically, that's, that's glycolysis. So the body just be, essentially the body begins to rely on cancer metabolism a little bit more. Okay. So the problem with that is that the regulator protein for um, glycolysis for hypoxia uh, is a big, a major gene activator. And that protein is HIF1 and it's a major gene activator. So um, when it, when it hangs around too long, when it's stabilized, it loves to go into the nucleus and just start flipping switches <laughs> and turning on, turning on all kinds of genes. And um, a, a, many of them are not good. It's not that they're inherently bad, but when they're turned on too much, they're not good. Um, in our Coach's course, we talk about VEGF being one of those. Um, and normally VEGF is a good thing, but in the presence of hypoxia, um, think about what cancer needs. Cancer needs a lot of capillary growth, cancer, you know, glycolysis. It, essentially, what we find is that all, all disease states more or less share uh, 
elevated levels of hypoxia. It's a big deal, really big deal. So if we're going to take an immune-centric approach to the body, we have to begin to think about um, the quality of the cardiovascular system. We have to begin to think about clearing hypoxia as a regular practice. And that's not even on the list. It never has been until now. Um, and so in the immune-centric approach, we're, we're doing steps things to clear hypoxia a couple times a week, and we're doing things to drive circulation. And so all this just comes back to one thing, which is um, if, we, if, we, if we don't get the oxygen that we need and we don't get it to the tissues that need it, we can't pay the bills. And then, you know, things like DNA repair go downhill and, and things like cancer get a foothold. And so like, it's just a shift in priorities. Like, yeah, that's kind of really important. We probably should have that one on the list of things to do. And for me, that came back to like, <clears throat> reinventing the to-do list, you know, like, like my old to-do list was, um, uh, today's I'm, I'm, I'm working the chest today. That's, that's today's to-do <laughs> list, you know, <laughs> and the new to-do list is, uh, okay. I'm, I'm definitely going to do my, um, I'm definitely going to do my, at the end of my fast, have some niacin, do a four axis rotation. That's my two minute contribution mm. today to my health long-term. And I might skip my chest workout, but this may be more important over the long term. So that's that's that it's just a different way of thinking, is how I would put it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is I think it's just it's I think it becomes an immune immune centric approach. It becomes like just brushing your teeth. I think there's the importance of clearing the lack of oxygen and making sure that we get enough oxygen. And I think there's arterial and um the endothelial system that becomes an uh an issue as well, low nitric oxide over over the years as well, too. So it's super damaging, which I've experienced a bit myself, so uh, the whole low nitric oxide. But I think it's um, super, super fascinating, and and I think we talk based, uh, we talk a lot about in the industry is uh, a lot of people taking NAD shots, or mm -hmm. uh, and there's a time and a place for it, and then it's not honestly. Um, and I know you explain a bit in the in the program as to why is it that sometimes NAD, example, in high dosages might not be ideal for a specific person at a specific time well um nad is a big topic i mean it's it's a it's a is, is the question would be is there a simple fix for nad and i'd say uh, yeah maybe 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 there is you know it's a, but it's it's a complex topic i mean um so we need nad um nad these are these are dinucleotides and they are involved um in just about every reaction we can think of that matters you know they're involved uh in one form or another in the krebs cycle and making energy and all kinds of stuff so um we need nad uh as we age we tend to have less of it and the the problem is it's you know it's like if you're going to look at like a perfect equation to restore nad the first thing i would tell anybody is get your sleep fixed you know that that's that's like that's the most important thing in terms of NAD is to get your sleep fixed and sleep disruption with age is a big big deal like really becomes a problem um <clears throat> but in terms of um in terms of like let's say either supplemental ways to take NAD or um even clinical ways to do NAD I think there's tremendous benefit to those things like it's, it's a huge benefit to be able to walk into a clinic and get an NAD infusion and you know uh, very often you feel like a million bucks the next day um I, I would say the question would be you know more the frequency of it like yeah, how okay. often do you need it and you know and all that stuff um and there is a again homeostasis so that <clears throat> i would say that there is a definitely a a, a, a seesaw or a balance to it <clears throat> excuse me in that if you're going to be um, 
if you're going to be using like, let's say a clinic you go to, to get NAD shots, um, you can do it too much. Like you could, you could potentially do, um, be getting too much of it, you know, like doing too much NAD and that, that could not be a good thing, but, um, what's the number. I don't know that, uh, I don't know that anybody knows yet. I'd say if, if that's a thing you're doing, maybe once or twice a week, you know, it could be something, but the thing you have to be aware of is, um, you want to be, um, you want to be doing a lot of other things if you're doing that. So for example, if you have arthritis, um, you want to be really working on getting rid of your arthritis if you're getting NAD. Now, though, you can find a chicken and egg thing. Sometimes like, you know, if you have arthritis, the NAD shot help, but sometimes it can make it worse um, because you're feeding some of the inflammatory macrophages, the NAD they need to proliferate. Yeah. So um, I think the best use of like therapeutic clinical NAD is sort of like with a comprehensive program of sleep and, you know, diet and exercise and all this stuff so that you're not overdoing it and that you're restoring NAD in the proper way. Um, and that, you know, fasting is part of the picture, but not too much fasting. And so, um, I mean, that's probably, that's a, it's a big topic we could talk about. Yeah, a big for a long time. Huge, yeah. And I think there's one, one huge topic and I know maybe this is something that you talk a lot about GLP one. I'm like, it's just fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's taking the world by storm. So and I'm mm. just like, Oh, <laughs> again, not yeah. medical advice, but oh, yeah. pick. and yeah. I mean, I've played around with it and I think there's yeah. like some, there's some cool thing with it at the same time, but I think that just, I love that uh, there's specific things that you can do from food uh, to help and stimulate GLP-1. So, uh, and so what would you say, like the whole, your, your mm-hmm. take on that, like as to, you know, uh, with the whole GLP-1 things going on? Uh, well, so the first thing I would say is that um, I would, diet would be the foundational way that I would go about it first. And going at GLP-1 dietarily and GIP, that's been my thing going back like uh, 2010. I remember uh, the first hospital that we ever sold um, our nutrition software to, I was sitting with their, their, their brainy people and they were like, how's the program work? And I was like, well, we, we, we target incretin function. And so, and they didn't know what I was talking about. So I, was, I was like, yeah, GLP-1, you know, we're targeting GLP-1. And, and now GLP-1 is like, um, this is what I talked about in the immunity code uh, in terms of like the speed of science speak adoption, you know, like, like GLP-1 was this esoteric term. And now it's like, everybody's like, yeah, I'm taking GLP-1. Here. <laughs> um, but the food is really uh, the foundation that I would go at it with because um and, I, and I'm not against these things. I think they could be really good. I just, I'm just saying that food is a foundation. So um, the thing to understand, first of all, is that insulin function um, depends not just on insulin, but it depends on a lot of other hormones as well. GIP, GLP-1, glucagon, adiponectin, all these other hormones. And so as a practice, as a health practice, the highest level would be to um, adequately stimulate all of these things through the diet. Uh, because you can increase, like I said, over time, attenuation, over time, you know, sensitization, you can increase the sensitivity of all of these things. Um, and the way they work with insulin through dietary inputs, if you know what you're doing, and you know how to do it. So um, the, the immunity code diet has been that from the beginning, which is um, three days a week, you're targeting uh, the incretins, you're targeting GIP, GLP-1, and you're doing it through food. And what you're doing is you're picking, you're picking very specific ratios of foods that hit certain things. So um, at the same time that you're stimulating GLP-1, you're stimulating a lot of adiponectin because they work really well together. Um, and that just as a foundational practice, I think, um, I, I think there's thousands of people that would say that's working really well for me. That's really working well. And then we target insulin directly on opposing days. So we're getting a complete picture of insulin as it pertains to Ozempic and, and the GLP one inhibitors. Um, 
I think you can see some great results. Um, me personally, I, I don't like to use them. Um, and the reason is the ramping, you have to be so careful on the ramping yeah. schedule of those things oh, yeah. that if, if you're off a little bit, you know, all you're hearing back is just like, oh, I feel miles, I like hate this. And, <laughs> you know, so I think, I think if you're a really skilled practitioner and you figure the ramping schedule out, then that's pretty cool. You know, that, that can be really great. Yeah. The other thing is that um, if it's just for the, if it's just for the appetite regulation thing, if it's, that's, then I would use other things. I'd, I'd probably oh, yeah. look at like, I'd look at like tesafenosine first, or I would do um, even just like slank or oxytocin or other things that are going to help, you know, um, all that to say, I think the real place of this could be at the end of a, of a, a weight loss journey to, cause very often it's hard to get that last 10, 15 pounds off. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think something like this could be really awesome. If you, if you do the offset once you're through with it. And that's the big thing that's missing with yeah. these GLP ones. My fear is that it's going to turn into another HCG in terms of what you saw were all these practitioners that jumped on HCG and put people on 500 calorie diets. And now, you know, 10 years later, they're all a wreck and their metabolism's a wreck and all that. And um, so you have to, you have to compensate for the weight loss. So post fat loss, there's a whole period that you would have to take someone to through to compensate for all those other things. So it can definitely help you get you to, to the tape, to the finish line. But if you're not compensating at yeah. the end of that, I think you're creating more problems than you're solving. Absolutely. And I think, and even my own experience was, oh my goodness, for some people, I just think it makes you super nauseous and it cuts, yeah. it, cuts it cuts down your appetite. Like you literally food is not appetizing. It's, I was like, whoa. And that's why you gotta be, gotta be really <laughs> careful with that. That's why I like yeah. really the flexibility, flexibility with the two day core patterns. And I think it's a pretty good start for most people to really actually get a grip on getting that flexibility, getting that homeostasis and that balance into the diet so it's been i think it's been it's been uh it's been really well for myself so you're the man and many people so perfect well it was uh it was great so i don't want to i'm really uh i'm conscious of your time and really appreciative so i think that was great great conversation and then uh but for now uh, what's coming up next uh, i know your book is uh so your second book is is coming so when is that yeah. happening if you can share <laughs> trying <laughs> so much pressure <laughs> and uh, i'm hoping to get it out by summer um i I've, I've i've got a two-month window here where i'm just gonna be riding all day long so I, i'm hoping i can get it out by summer uh, i'm looking forward to it i think it'll be pretty good um so that's coming out um i have one more product coming out which will complete the trifecta uh for for the gut and it's um it's an hmo product but it almost didn't make the cut like i almost didn't do it um because uh you know, if you do HMOs correctly, there's not much of an argument on a regular basis for them. You know, there's an argument to kind of reset things yeah. and you can make a, you can make a maintenance argument, but, um, as a, as a business model, like, you know, it's, it's not something that, you know, if you're, if you're telling people to take it daily, that's no, it's, I mean, you don't breastfeed daily, do you, <laughs> you know, you stop you breastfeed and then you stop, you don't do it anymore. So, um, but I figured out a way to make it. Um, uh, I figured out a way to make it much better than 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 just a regular HMO product to make it something that you could do once or twice a week. And then, nice. because um, me, the way that I've structured things is, um, my my goal was to solve a problem. So not to be a supplement company, but solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And so the way I've structured things is, 
um, because I do a lot of uh, e-learning stuff, I could just subsidize it through the e-learning so I don't have to have it be a moneymaker. And that way it's there and it completes the trifecta of products. And there's a lot of utility and usefulness and very healthy and very few lids to open. Um, and so I'm excited about it. It's going um, to really create a very, a very amazing gut picture, uh, which is that um, I have three products. I have Young Body, uh, Young Red. Yeah, we can talk this, about those because I, I haven't had the chance to use it yet. I'm using combination because I am in Canada. Um, oh, I got to send it to you. We'll send it yeah. to you. Um, we'll get it to you. Um, yeah, so, so, um, uh, so going beyond the book, um, going way beyond the book um, would be to add in things like glycine and NAC um, into, into the picture because uh, they, they have such a profound effect on gut health. Um, when you look at like the way glycine works in the gut, I mean, it's like, it's like butter in a guy, just everything becomes smooth, you know, with glycine, mm -hmm. it's really great. And then NAC is such a, it's a, it's a powerful biofilm inhibitor and it does so many other beneficial things in the gut. It's really great for inflammation in the gut. So um, the way that these products work together is like, uh, by and large, everybody that's doing them will tell you like, my gut's never been better. I mean, everything's easy now with it, you know, and it's because, uh, it's the way they're working together. It's the way the, the NAC works together with the gly with glycine, with the reds, with the red phenols. And then I'm going to add this other component in and it's, it's going to be the, I mean, there's nothing like it. So I'm excited about I'm it. I'm excited and, about that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see them try to form really because we, you talk a lot about white, white willow bark as well too, being such a, a huge key component of a young body. So. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. A young body is just, I haven't, I, I haven't put enough attention into it. It's such a, yeah. it's, it's such a, uh, a category changer because I took the, I took the most powerful longevity things that we know of. And it's, in fact, Sinclair did, did a video the other day talking about the new, the new secret, uh, which is alpha ketoglutarate and it reverses the aging of the blood and all that stuff, you know? And, and so this has that plus uh, glycine and AC and white willow bark. And so it's just a fantastic product. So Perfect. yeah, and I'll link it. I'll link everything in the show notes as well. And, and your book, which is available on Amazon as well too. And still currently, and you have the, I think you have the audio version as well on, on mm -hmm. deeps on your website too. So yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Perfect. So I'm going to put everything in the show notes and then okay. I think I'll be part one and then uh, maybe have you on back again. There's so yeah, much for sure. to talk about. So we'll do it. Uh, but amazing. So we'll, uh, we'll have you next time. And, but otherwise, fantastic. This is it for now. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Regen Biome podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or seeking private one-on-one -on -one health coaching, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, regenbiome.com or on Instagram at Gene Felix Turcott underscore JFT. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. <laughs>